0: Welcome to we Are DB. my name is brenton and i'm joined as always by danielle that's me thanks again for joining us as we count up the imdb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen this week rated as number 47 on the internet movie database by millions of film lovers from around the world is joker Released in 2019, starring Joaquin Phoenix as the lead, Joker is a psychological thriller set in the fictional American city of Gotham City, opening in 1981. The film is inspired by stories of the character of the Joker in the Batman story universe, particularly the graphic novel The Killing Joke from 1988. Joker is co-produced by Bradley Cooper and written, produced and directed by Todd Phillips. Kind of an odd project for Bradley Cooper to be on.
1: He does an assortment of things, though. Yeah. Like, it doesn't surprise me.
0: So this was nominated for an amazing 11 Oscars just a few months ago, and it ended up winning two, including Best Actor for Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Mm. And it made over a billion dollars. This movie made more money than The Dark Knight.
1: That's really saying something.
0: That's quite surprising, because I remember the Dark Knight being huge.
1: Honestly, that makes me really happy. And we'll get into why that makes me happy.
0: Okay. I don't want to do much of a non-spoiler section, so I'm just going to sort of run through a few things, and then we'll dive straight into it. Awesome. So it has been almost exactly six months since this movie was released. And that's our policy here on We DB. We don't look at it unless it has. And we spoke about that quite a lot in the very first episode on the introduction. And on Parasite, we spoke about it quite a bit, which also came out in 2019 and won Best Picture. Um, so long story short, we waited six months. Here we are. Uh, and this movie is... It has been a bit controversial. It was sort of before it were even released. People seem to either love it or hate it, leaning more towards the love it, which is why it's in the top 50. Um, when it first came out, it got down to about 19, and now it's at 47 on the list, and it's been ha- hanging around there, so that's why we've given it this time. So
1: That's still a really good placing for this movie. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot better than some of the higher-placed movies. So you really only- enjoyed this? I really enjoyed this movie. What did I say? I said I can like it without enjoying it, is I think Mm. what I said. This movie really touched me, um, and I've spoken about that on a few different episodes. Different topics, different actors' performances can really touch me in a way that makes me really uncomfortable or really feel something, but you can't help but realize that it really meant something if you feel that way. And that hmm. can't be ignored. And this did that for me, yeah.
0: This is a character study. And I'm I'm a bit of a sucker when it comes to character studies. Uh, personally, I don't think this is one of the better character studies. I can think of other ones. For my impressions after watching it, I think it's good. It's technically filmed brilliantly. I think the score is amazing. The acting, Mm. obviously. It's shot really quite well. But as a movie, I think it's good. I think it's perfectly fine, and we'll get into that more in spoilers, but I'm just giving a general overview as to how I feel about it. You seem to enjoy it more than I thought you did.
1: I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I did. I had to sit with it for a little while. It's been haunting my thoughts in not a bad way, but like I keep thinking about it. It's you know. kind of a good sign. Yeah.
0: Uh, I wanted to preface this episode by saying that we've given this episode more of an in-depth look than a lot of the other episodes on the podcast, because I feel like it needs it. So we didn't have an episode last week, if you're following along with this, just because...
1: We took a point of doing our homework. <laughs> we yeah. made a point of doing our homework for this movie.
0: Yeah, so it's... Quite well known that Todd Phillips and the writers took heavily inspiration from early Martin Scorsese work, particularly Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy. Um, So we watched those movies, which we hadn't seen before, um, as well as Joker. I reread The Killing Joke, which was also inspired by its origin story, Um, as well as my familiarity with the character Danielle's Diploma of Mental Health, both of us have sort of lived experience with mental health issues so i just want to preface that by like we're giving this our best shot to sort of analyze joker a bit and give us our give our impressions as to what it is um i really loved king of comedy like more so than taxi driver i really quite liked it
1: and i can i just want to say like even as soon as we saw those and before i saw this one before we actually did watch Joker, I could so see how it was so heavily inspired by those two movies.
0: Sometimes it's, it's a little too evident. inspired. Yeah, it's like so evident. Yes, yeah, so just from the little bits that we had seen in trailers and the, the acting performances and things from Joaquin, just when we watched Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, it's like, oh yeah.
1: But are you... Okay, do you want to talk about those movies a little bit? Do you want to talk about...
0: I wouldn't mind it. I think we're going to go into full spoilers for all three of those movies just from here on because uh, I just wanted to give my first impression to you guys out there, and if you haven't seen this movie, um, just be aware of it when we're going forward. Spoiler warning.
1: And this is one of those ones, like, it got so much hype this last year, like, I think everybody knows what it's about.
0: Yeah, Um. but there are twists and turns that I don't want to be prancing around.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. So, spoilers from here.
0: I think it made the amount of money that it did because it was controversial.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I'm also glad it was controversial because people went and saw it and started talking about it and made a dialogue about mental health because of it, which we're going to get into.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it was a good dialogue, though. We'll get into it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so Taxi Driver and King of Comedy... These are both starring Robert De Niro um, in two very different roles. And um, King of Comedy is probably one of the most animated roles I have ever seen De Niro play.
0: He's not usually in comedic sort of roles. Like, even in Joker, he's trying to, like, tell jokes and get comedic timing right, and it's a little unusual to see De Niro in that.
1: But he still felt like De Niro. Yeah. Like, he still felt... I don't know. It was just different. He's, and everything else that I've seen him in, whether it's like The Godfather or Joker or frickin' Meet the Fockers or whatever, (laughs) or Meet the Parents, um, he's quiet and he only really speaks if he needs to speak kind of thing. He has a similar personality for all those characters.
0: I think he was very good in King of Comedy.
1: He was, but it was just very not typecast.
0: Yeah, definitely not typecast. Because De Niro has definitely been subject to typecasting.
1: Absolutely. And that's just what I'm saying. That's yeah. one of the most yeah. animated roles I'd ever seen him in. Whereas Taxi Driver was much more what I would consider typical De Niro, if not De Niro on the really, really quiet side.
0: Yeah. Um, he's subtle.
1: Which was interesting because in both of those movies, full spoilers, he was a bit of a nut. Um but oh, just very opposite. <laughs> but just on very opposite Ends of the spectrum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, one one was somebody who didn't really understand social interaction, but it hadn't really negatively affected him very much. He just was kind of an awkward person, but he still went about his life and was pretty okay with it. Um, and then the other one, he was delusional and didn't understand how to interact with people at all, but because he had a different personality, it really did affect his everyday life sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Is it clear which movies I was talking about?
0: Yes, if you've seen them.
1: Okay. Okay. So, like, those characters, first of all, it's very important for the development of Arthur Fleck. But also just the ambiance of the movies. So, the thing that stood out the, the most in Taxi Driver was the lighting.
0: Oh yeah, the use of colour in that.
1: Everything is green and red, which is so interesting because it doesn't feel like Christmas at
0: all. Taxi Driver is purely ambiance. And I mean that is like, everything about that is just watching this character. It's about the music, it's about the lighting, it's about the setting, it's grungy 70s New York. That movie just is just purely ambiance, and I love that. Sometimes,
1: I really liked the soundtrack. Oh yeah, it's It's interesting, smooth, like jazz jazz
0: that they use. Yeah, Yeah. it's interesting choice.
1: It was so. It was. It made the city feel comfortable, which I think is saying something Mm. because it's like New York's shittiest time. And yet, you have this music that's like I'm really comfortable to get in this cab and just drive around the city at night for hours. That's what it made me feel. Or go sit in those I'm diners
0: like, and get a cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, and that I think that's really saying something. I just I want to talk about how they both influence the movie because they really do.
0: I think anyone who's seen those movies would know absolutely because it's so obvious. It's so obvious. It feels like a modern remake, an amalgamation of the two. Um, it's kind of on the nose in some places because yeah, it's so inspired.
1: Yeah, King of Comedy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you said about the different characters that De Niro is playing in there, the fact that they actually cast De Niro in here as the Jerry Lewis character from King of Comedy, the fact that it's set in 1981, which is when King of Comedy was set, um, I'm trying to figure out why... They said it in 1981. I ultimately came to people weren't really accepting of mental health issues as much as they would if you said it in modern day times. Um, a lot of the things wouldn't ring true nearly as much. So I'm, I'm thinking that's why they said it then.
1: It would have been a very different story, and it would have it wouldn't have felt as genuine. I think like to think if you had computers and smartphones and everything like. There'd be too much flashy technology taking away from the story.
0: So you wouldn't be able to make it as gritty.
1: And you wouldn't be able to make it like... Social media and technology can make you feel less alone even though you're totally alone. Arthur is totally alone.
0: Interesting, yeah.
1: You know what I mean? So you think
0: if they had set this in the modern day, some people would be like well, why don't you just go on dating sites or on Facebook or something? Something
1: like that. So you're even
0: removing that from the equation.
1: Yeah, because people say all the time, you know, like, oh, technology and social media, you know, they aren't great for your mental health. And they're not if you use them the wrong way. But if you use them the right way, they can provide an opportunity. Whereas if you take out that from the equation altogether, that's just one more barrier to interacting with people you know what i mean the problem for arthur is that he does not know how to interact with people and there is absolutely no way he can learn yeah and i feel like if it had been set in the modern day like you said like the social barriers wouldn't have been as harsh and the technological advancements would have facilitated a bit more capacity for him so it would yeah, change the story
0: The delusions that were in King of Comedy are so well done that it's it can be quite confusing when watching that movie as to what is real and what's not. And that's the point that Scorsese was going towards because that character is quite delusional and he Mm -hmm. gets his wires crossed as to what's real and what's not. And Joker tries to do that and I don't think it does it nearly as well. One of the most... Prevalent ones is, of course, the girl that he thinks is his girlfriend, and the movie tries to tell you that they are dating, and this is she's going along to these family events and things, and then it's thrown to you towards the end that, in fact, all of that was actually in his head. And I don't think that's done nearly as well. There's kind of like a montage where it's like, hey, you know all those times where you saw her? She's not actually there. Ha ha. Um, I think the movie thinks that it was being really clever and that was such a big whammy and it was so predictable to me. Um, the delusional parts in King of Comedy really made you wonder, did I did they have that conversation in reality, or it was in his was it in his dream? Like I can't really remember. Like it flows and- differently. While in Joker it's kind of just like, well, that's obvious. That's obviously not happening. I can I can distinguish between his dreams and reality better.
1: And I felt The opposite, kind of, because I felt in King of Comedy, I was really able to tell, oh, that that wasn't real, that didn't just happen. I was able to distinguish reality from his delusions, whereas in Joker, I wasn't able to tell until it was spoon-fed to me, but I I would prefer to, you know, question and then figure it out and then not have it, like, handed to me on a plate. You know what I mean?
0: It was very handed.
1: Yeah, so that was the thing for me.
0: So were you saying that you liked the way that that whole girlfriend trait was proposed? Because I hated it.
1: Um, it. It was a bit... I didn't like how it's steering you in one direction and then it turns. Like you said, I liked better when I was able... Like, for you, you were questioning throughout King of Comedy. For me, I would say, did that happen? No, it didn't. And then I'd be able to move on and then it just showed, like, it it was able to compound, and you could see, man, this guy really is nuts. You know what I mean?
0: Well, what I mean by that is there was conversations that were had in King of Comedy that I couldn't remember hearing whether or not they were in his delusions or not. Yeah. Because I'm like, I remember this thing being brought up, but I don't remember when it was brought up. And that's where the the cloudiness comes in. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like this movie thought it was really clever, and you didn't have to show him alone in those instances where before you had shown me that he wasn't alone.
1: I'm kind of with you. I do feel like it kind of... It did think it was being clever, but I think it was a little bit too... I'm going to show you because you're too stupid to figure it out on your own kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it was. One of the biggest problems I had with this movie while watching it at the beginning, right, is... I know the character quite well, and I feel like they changed the character of Joker. Now, I'm okay with change, because it means they're trying something new and just not rehashing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. But Joker never had a name, or this story, you know? So, for myself, in order to enjoy it more, I sort of had to take myself back and say, Okay, this is a Joker, not the Joker because there have been so many Robins, there have been many different versions of Batman, for me to say, oh, is is this meant to be the same Joker that Ledger played? Like, no, it's not. It's it's a different Joker. It's a Joker, right? So I I started mm-hmm. to enjoy it more after I sort of separated myself from that. Interesting. And then I was looking at... The director even came out and said that maybe this Joker is not the same as your regular Joker that you see, but the regular Joker was inspired by this guy, Arthur Fleck. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was one of his followers. And for starters, that sort of makes me think, what's the point of this movie? But Mm -hmm. it does make me enjoy it more because, okay, I can sort of see that like in the early 80s, you've got Arthur Fleck, he's doing these Joker things. Um, Bruce Wayne's young. Bruce Wayne grows up, becomes Batman. Then you've got Ledger Joker. You know what I mean? Like, he's. Mm-hmm. Ledger Joker is the Joker. He's the guy who's brilliant. He breaks in and out of Arkham just for the fun of it. He messes with Batman, blah, blah, blah. That's the Joker we know. This Arthur mm-hmm. Fleck guy, the guy who's got mental health issues, who's. Like, the Joker is brilliant and everything happens because he wants it to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want. That character just becomes some guy who's crazy because he's off his meds. But if you tell me that that's a different character in the same universe, then it, it might just be a mental thing. But I enjoy it better, right? Because yeah. I'm just thinking, uh, once the Batman grows up and tries to face off against Arthur Fleck, I'm not scared of this guy. It's just some it's some guy on his off his meds, you know. But if Arthur Fleck and his mentalities had inspired a different Joker, if that makes sense.
1: I can see how that could happen, and I won't pretend that I wasn't trying to figure out how he fit into the grand scheme of Batman. Um, Me, I was trying to figure out, okay, if this is the Joker, how does he get all his money to do everything, and how does he get all his followers? And the way I was thinking about it was he became, like, a symbol and an idol for the poor people of gotham yeah so he could have gained support and followers and cronies and people that way you know what i mean i could see how this person like how arthur could transform into ledger joker just because by the end you see he's so much more confident because he stops giving a shit um and i want to talk about that a little bit more when we start talking about the depiction of mental illness and everything in this movie. But I could definitely see how this Joker became Ledger Joker.
0: And I don't know what the filmmakers were trying to go for if they just wanted to have a retelling of the character. That's fine. Um, Yeah. And ultimately, I don't think it really matters. It was just, it helped me because I know the character so well because I feel like this Joker took away the evil from the character. Joker just loves chaos. But I can
1: see how he could have got there based on this past.
0: Yeah. I kind of just wanted to bring up the ending real quick, where he's in the psych ward after everything's happened. Mm -hmm. And it's straight after he's standing on top of the cop car, he wipes the blood on his face, he's got all those followers behind him, and then it cuts to him arrested in the psych ward. Right? And he's laughing to himself. And she says... What's so funny? so funny? Yeah. And he he says you wouldn't get it. A lot of people interpreted that as maybe the entire movie is in his head. Who knows? What is real, what's not.
1: I thought that for a short minute.
0: Now ultimately, I think that he's laughing at the joke that he had to kill so many people just to get some help. And I think that's what, it's, what it was. I think the movie is saying that it was all real, except for the girlfriend part um, and a yeah. couple of the other delusions there, here and there. I don't think that it's saying that the movie wasn't real, but I think that it wants you to question it, mm-hmm. at very least. And I was rereading The Killing Joke. Uh, I have it in front of me. I wanted to read out a passage to you just for a bit of reference.
1: So this is the graphic novel that this was based on.
0: I wouldn't say based on, but he took inspiration from a lot of things. Yeah, there was also Batman Year One and The Dark Knight Returns, which was a comic book series in the 80s. It turned into an animated movie. There was a lot of things where he drew inspiration from. Um, And I just wanted to read this because I think this is an interesting point. Um, So this is the conversation between Joker and Batman. Uh, He says, I've demonstrated there's no difference between me and everyone else. All it takes is one bad day to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy. That's how far the world is from where I am. Just one bad day. You had a bad day once, am I right? I know I am. I can tell. You had a bad day and everything changed. Why else would you dress up like a flying rat? I mean, what is it with you? What made you who you are? Girlfriend killed by the mob, maybe? Brother carved up by some mugger? Something like that, I bet. Something like that. Because something like that happened to me, you know. I'm not exactly sure what it was. Sometimes I remember it one way, sometimes another. If I'm going to have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice. So I think that multiple choice line is one thing that Todd Phillips took and sort of ran with it. So it's like every little turn that he sort of makes in this movie is up for interpretation. It's Mm. If he has an origin story, you kind of want it to be multiple choice, right? Now, I, I think that the movie is quite linear, and I'm quite convinced as to what's real and what's not, but I think he's putting a few things out there, and the story is sort of constructed in such a way to make you question at certain points. There's different Mm -hmm. forks in the road. It's like, I thought that was an interesting point because I reread that the other day and I'm like, oh, yeah, you can definitely see that. But there was also a line towards the beginning there where it says, all it takes to reduce people to lunacy is one bad day. And I feel like a lot of people took that out of this movie in thinking that a lot of people on the brink or been struggling with mental health issues are just one bad day away from being a psychopath or a serial killer or whatever from being the Joker and after watching it I don't think the movie's saying that at all and I don't think you should take that away from it the Joker is not something to be aspiring towards no it shouldn't be a symbol just to to try and like justify
1: that line that line really resonates with me but for a very different reason because I think it's true but the point is One bad day isn't going to make you a psychopathic murderer. Like, if you're a psychopath, you're a psychopath from the word go, from birth. And it's just, you know, the way you grow up that determines whether or not you act on those thoughts and tendencies. What that line is saying is saying that it doesn't take much for someone to totally lose themselves you know what i mean
0: so you agree with this you agree that the movie is saying that it just takes one bad day because i don't
1: it takes a lot less than you think for someone to become unwell is what i'm saying i don't want people to go see this and think that it's an excuse for poor behavior nothing is an excuse ...for poor behaviour, but you can learn to understand the choices that led to that poor behaviour.
0: I feel like a lot of people watched this and said, yes, I now have an icon or a mascot for something that represents how I'm feeling. I've gone through bouts of anxiety and depression too, so therefore it's all justified. And I'm not saying that having mental health issues is not justified... Turning into a sick bastard because of them is... and Does that make any sense? I don't know how to tackle this. I think that anyone who thinks that this movie is perfect needs to take a good hard look at it again and Mm -hmm. themselves because I think that notion is saying a lot. I don't know what it is saying exactly. But again, Joker, much like Tyler Durden, it's not something to be striving towards. No,
1: it's it's a conversation piece. He's definitely a conversation piece and a and a thought provoker and very radical. And you can take the messages that Tyler gives or that Arthur gives and you can look at them and say, that sits funny with me. Why does it sit funny with me? You know what I mean?
0: After watching the movie, I don't think that it's actually saying those things. I don't think that it's saying we're all one bad day away from being the Joker. I don't think it gives a voice to the people with problems or makes what he does okay. But you definitely should never be one to compare yourself to this fictional character. That's a bad thing.
1: I just want to read this out because somebody I went to school with shared this not long after the movie came out. So they shared this in September. The original post was from August, and when did the movie come out?
0: In the first week of October. Okay. So, can I just say, that's an interesting point, because a lot of people were talking about this movie who had never seen it. There was so much talk around this before it even came out.
1: And that's the thing that I really want to highlight here, because personally, I think this totally misses the point of this movie but is the thought process that a lot of people were having around it. So bear with me, it's a little bit long. Um, And this is by a female person who wrote this originally. So it says, Okay, I've pinpointed exactly what it is that bothers me about a Joker movie. I don't want to watch a movie that shows us the trauma that drove Joker insane. I don't want to watch a well-intentioned but unstable man get bullied until he turns into a mass murderer. I don't want to watch a man get rejected by women as an excuse for his future domestic abuse. I don't want to be shown what a poor, unfortunate underdog this man was who was sadly forced by circumstances and that nasty Batman to take up a life of crime. I don't want to have sympathy for a man best known for his robbery, murder... An arguable rape shoved down my throat for two hours. I don't want this to be sold as a relatable story that can happen to anyone with a bad enough day, and I don't want to be around any of the lonely white boys who relate to it. Do you see what I'm getting at? I don't know if there ever is a good time for a movie that paints mass murder as the logical conclusion of a socially isolated, debatably neurodivergent white man being failed by the system, but I feel as though this is not it. I don't want to see a movie that idolizes the Joker when there are plenty of easily armed fuckboys who already think he has the right idea without adding a tragic backstory to elicit sympathy. I also don't want the narrative line to be drawn between mental illness and mass murder, as is so often done in the modern eras to Batman villains, And as is so common with the Joker in particular, I don't want it to get highlighted and underlined in Sharpie as well. God, I'm sick of the Joker. So, a few problems I have with this is that it's bringing up things about the character that aren't actually in this movie. This wasn't what this movie was about. And like I said, there's things that are brought up in here that aren't actually in the movie. So, Batman's. Not in it. I mean, arguably he is. Bruce Wayne is in it, but he's not Batman yet. So that doesn't enter into it at all.
0: I see what she's saying, but it's very evident that she hasn't seen the movie, and I can see her concern. However, it's so misses the point that I think that it's kind of like, well, why are we even talking about it? We're talking about it because it was such a big conversation point. A lot of people had this sort of notion.
1: Well, and I really feel like this is saying, I don't want to talk about when mental illness goes bad because it's not nice. And I'm saying this is exactly why we need a movie that brings up this kind of stuff so that we do talk about it.
0: But it's, I don't think it is showing that at all. This is a fictional character who is pushed to unusual extremes. This is not something that someone should relate to. They can't relate to it.
1: I don't like what it had to say because I think it's totally missing the point of the movie. I think the movie is to portray what stigma of mental health can do.
0: I don't know what this movie was trying to do. What is the point of this movie? I don't get it, because even if this is real or not real Joker, Mm. I don't see the point of it. What is it trying to say? Because everything that it's trying to say, it sort of misses the point.
1: To me, the reason it spoke so deeply to me is because I felt, as someone who has a mental illness, I have generalized anxiety disorder, um... I feel like this is depicting what every person who has a mental illness, what their worst fear of stigma looks like if it was manifested.
0: Yeah. So you think that people are afraid that people are going to...
1: This is what people think of them, and this is what people will do to you.
0: Mm. It's very difficult to talk about this topic and try to please everyone. I feel like it's it's very difficult for me to articulate how I feel about the issue and this movie without pissing off almost everyone who's listening to this. A lot of the times, like, watching this, I want to say people like this make me uncomfortable without being insensitive to mental issues. It's a very fine line between uncomfortable and intolerant.
1: And that's the tricky part of it, right? Is that as a stranger you're perfectly entitled to feel that way. However, if this was like your son or your nephew or your cousin or something, I would hope that you would have a little bit more empathy and would exercise the influence you have over that person to try and help them.
0: Yes. The instances that I was referring to when I said that is when he's talking to strangers, particularly the the girl that lives in his building and the way he interacts with De Niro's character, multiple times, but it's not people who know him well. I think this was such a specific character who was pushed to so many brinks that no one could relate to it. You might be able to relate to elements of it, and maybe that's the point, but I feel okay. like it's it's pushing every element to the extremes and shoving it down your throat just to say, hey, look at me, talk about me, this is what I want to say. And I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable because you're forcing me to watch it. We had a conversation with Mike Petchy, filmmaker, um, when we spoke about the episode on Alien, which comes out two weeks from today. And he was saying, I don't like how modern movies always have to have some sort of agenda. That it's always pushing. And the reason why they made that movie is just to push that agenda.
1: I don't think they did.
0: You don't think they did?
1: No. The reason why this personally spoke to me so deeply is because, probably a large part because of the acting, it was very emotional. But secondly, because, again, because of that acting, I felt you could really feel what Arthur was going through at different points in the movie. And that resonated with me because I recognized those feelings from my own past experience. Okay,
0: no, I completely get that. I think we've had a miscommunication because I completely understand what you're saying. There are certain points in this movie where I can use my experiences to understand why the character of Arthur Fleck is feeling this way. There's a difference between that, which I definitely did, and actually putting myself in his shoes or making excuses for where my things went wrong. If that makes any sense. The example that I'm thinking of in particular is the point where he pulls everything out of the fridge and goes and sits in the fridge. Now, in my personal life, I went through a very severe bout of anxiety and depression just six months ago. And I did similar things to what he was doing there. So therefore I can look at that scene and I can see the character's motivations because of the things that they had portrayed just before that scene and I get it but I'm not going to use that as a symbol or an icon or a justification or push this movie higher than it deserves It's very hard to articulate and I want to yeah. come across that I'm not I'm it's a fine line to try not to be insensitive because I understand that
1: Yeah yeah.
0: The movie ultimately made me feel uncomfortable all the way through in the bad way. Now, some people would say that's the point. That's what it's supposed to do because people don't talk about mental health issues enough or whatever. But I think it missed the mark. I i don't think that it is saying good things about issues. I don't like what it did with the character. I can see it better if it's, if it's not the Joker. Um, I think it was acted beautifully, I think the score is great, I think it was ultimately fine, I have no urge to ever watch it again, and I don't think that this character should ever be something to be aspired to be.
1: I agree with that.
0: It made me uncomfortable, in a bad way.
1: I sat back and watched this, and when I say I empathize with this character, it's not that, like, I was giving him sympathy and you know, giving him justification for what he did, but I could sit back and look at this and say, like, I feel so strongly for you and recognize these feelings that you're listening. And it was powerful. And I also felt a strong sense of advocacy as someone who, because I've had my own hard experiences was quite outraged by the reactions of society to this person before he lost the plot. And that's what spoke so strongly to me in this.
0: I think that's the point, though.
1: That, to me, is why it's an important movie, because I feel like I I really strongly stand by the point that I said that if you sit back and watch this, this is every mentally... Not well person's worst nightmare of what stigma would look like, and for some people, this is still what it looks like i just i feel I feel like it did it I feel like it I feel like it hit it on the head.
0: yeah, I know what you're saying. I think the world now more than ever is more open to mental illnesses. I think this movie was overrated, and i think I think it missed the mark. And I think people who think that it hits the mark is missing the point.
1: See, and I think it hit the mark and I don't think I'm missing the point.
0: Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) So It's good that we disagree sometimes. Because that was the point. This movie was very controversial before and after it came out and has been since. So, there you go. It's very difficult to articulate my words very properly on this subject.
1: Yeah. It's a personal subject.
0: You're never going to please everyone. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe or wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram. You can comment on SoundCloud or YouTube or support us on Patreon. And until next week, thanks for listening.
1: this was this an honorable mention or was it did it have a place
0: this has a place cool why is that cool um well
1: because first like my initial thought was am i supposed to be reading this one all right um second of all it deserves a place okay yeah I just made myself bleed. I'm going to be really unimpressed with myself.
0: Stop picking it. And
1: I'm really unimpressed with myself. I'm okay. Just a bit of an idiot.
0: Yep.